0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to uh, the book of Philippians, chapter number two. The book of Philippians, chapter number two. We've been in a series uh, entitled Stewardship, and we've been talking every weekend uh, about a different aspect of uh, stewardship where we feel like God's speaking to us. Uh, and today, uh, if you're taking notes, and you should because nerds rule the world, um, if you're taking notes, uh, this weekend, uh, which would be the final weekend for this series, is Steward This Season. Steward This Season. Now, I'm, I'm speaking uh, to everyone that's here tonight, whether it's your first time visiting or whether uh, you're a resident of our community, um, but I'm going to really be addressing some things that have to do uh, with the season that we're in here at Embassy City Church, And I want to talk about some of the things that have happened this year and how I feel like uh, the Lord wants us to steward all that he is doing in our church going into the new year of 2017. So uh, steward this season. Now there was a, um, uh, a message that Alan Kelsey spoke two weeks ago. How many heard uh, Alan Kelsey's message. If you haven't heard the message and you're a resident of our community, I want to strongly encourage you to go listen to that message because I believe that it was one of the most prophetic messages for this church this year. Um, uh, he spoke about uh, the God that is more than enough, and he began to articulate some things as it relates to barriers that we may have in our hearts and in our minds that do not allow us to open up and receive. All that God has for us. It was a very balanced message. There was no sensationalism to it. There was no hype to it. It wasn't some goofy uh, prophetic—I'm sorry—prosperity message that everybody's going to go out and be a millionaire tomorrow. But it was talking about moving past the barriers and limitations that you may have in your life, so that God can do and be more than enough in every area of your life. Uh, When I heard that message. Uh, it just lit a fire in me, and I went, Oh my goodness, this is exactly what you're saying to our church. And, and, and then when you hear that type of message, you got to ask the Lord, What are you saying to me? And what are you saying to us? And the thing I believe He's saying to us is, Steward this season. I'm doing some things uh, here at Embassy City Church that I'm the only one that can get glory for, I'm the only one that can get credit for, and I want you to understand it so you can steward it properly, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today, Steward. This season, bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, then we're going to jump right in. Holy Spirit, uh, help us to discern this season, and help us to steward it properly, in Jesus' name, Amen. Philippians chapter number two. Uh, I'm going to read the first five five verses. Okay, here's what it says: um, uh, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts? tender and compassionate, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one purpose, with with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, period. (laughs) Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So point number one, I want you to write this down, steward our philosophy. One way that you're going to steward this season with you being here at Embassy City Church is to steward the philosophy of the house, the mindset of this ministry. The same mind that was in Christ Jesus, we want it to be in you and we want to work together and be in agreement to do all the things that God has put us here in this city to do. And the way that we do that collectively is to steward the philosophy that he gave us for ministry. Now, I was very careful when, uh, when I put down this first point uh, to note that the philosophy of Embassy City Church isn't some like random ideology I came out with. It all centers on biblical principles. So this is not like a good idea that I just thought, it would be cool to do a church that had a cafe and then spoke for 11 minutes, and then we all did skateboarding. That's an idea, not rooted in Scripture. There's no lattes and skateboard parks in the Bible. We're talking about godly principles that you build ministry and life on to create a culture that produces the expansion of God's kingdom. So I want to remind you of what the vision and the mission and the cultural ethos of Embassy City Church is. Now, many of you might say, well, I went through Engage class, and you, Tim, you say this all the time. I do, and I'll keep saying it, because vision leaks. I don't know if you know this or not, but vision leaks. I don't need to ask anyone besides parents if vision leaks. How many times do you have to tell your kids... Anybody, any parents in the room have to speak to their kids more than one time. Now, somebody's offended like, I'm not no kid. You're <laughs> not going to talk to me like a kid. I'm an adult. Yes, you are. And you still need to hear things over and over again, uh, lest you forget that we're reading from the same Bible that we've been reading from <clears throat> since, we give our life, since we gave our life to them. Nothing's changed. We're just rehearsing the things that we already know so that they stay at the forefront of our mind. So the vision of Embassy City Church, okay, the vision of Embassy City Church is to see people changed by the power of God, transformed by walking with Jesus, and impacting the seven cultural mountains of influence, arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, and religion. That's the vision of this church. That's what God put on our heart to do. And we have Bible for it. It's Matthew 28. Go and teach the nations. Go and disciple nations and give them this good news. The same thing I told you, tell others, this is how I want you to steward what I've given you. Go and do it to others as well. So we want to steward the vision of our house. We want to steward the mission of Embassy City Church, which is to show God's goodness to unbelievers and to make believers ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. It's very, very simple. Be nice to people that don't know Jesus, and be an ambassador if you do know Jesus. It's evangelism and discipleship at the same time. That's what we do here. One of the things I love about this church is that it's not complicated. You do not have to go here for nine months to figure out what we do. You come about three weeks in a row, you'll be like, I pretty much got it. It's a young church. They're just starting off. They're in the 14th month. If you come on a weekend, uh, you're going to have some worship, there's going to be some word, there's going to be some fellowship. These people do not like to leave after service. They don't even have snacks and they still hang around. What is that? That's people bonding because they're finding relationship with each other. And outside of that right now, if, if, if the weekend's not enough, we want you to be and encourage you to be in a small group because that's how a growing church still feels small is you get in a group. You start doing life with people on a regular basis. That's our mission. It's very, very simple. We want to show God's goodness to unbelievers and make believers ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Then when it gets down to the ethos of Embassy City Church, that's also something that's very, very simplistic. And this is is a mindset and a philosophy that I want you to steward as we go into the new year. And that is this, that we are many ethnicities, but we only have one culture, and that's Jesus culture. I've said this to every single engaged class that we've done. Every engaged class that we've done, I've, I've been the one to facilitate that, that uh, uh, endeavor. No one else has taught that class except me. And when every time we get to this point, there's always someone that looks a little bit like, what do you mean by that? That we are many ethnicities, but we only have one culture, and that's kingdom culture. What that means is very, very simple. We are many ethnicities. Go ahead and look around. We're many ethnicities but we only have one culture and that's Jesus' culture. So we don't celebrate Black History Month. We know February is Black History Month. We're just not gonna celebrate it here because we want God's kingdom to be lifted up more than someone's ethnicity. I always pause on that because somebody winds up feeling a, a certain way and then they're like, well, I'm out. And again, you don't need to be here more than three weeks to figure out <laughs> what we do here. Cinco de Mayo, yay, fine, do it, not here. St. Patrick's Day, yay, go green, not here. We, we're, we're happy with ethnicities. Ethnicities flavor everything that we do, but we don't want it to trump the culture that we're trying to establish, which is Jesus. That's the philosophy of this church. And we want people to carry that unashamedly, unabashedly, very boldly. If you're a resident of Embassy City Church, this is the way we do church here. People ask me all the time, well, hey, I heard about your church, and how's it going? Well, it's going great. What's the the demographic? Everybody? Everybody? What do you mean everybody, like, 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 give me the percentages? Why do you want percentages? What does it matter? We have African Americans, we have Hispanics, we have Caucasians, we have mixes of people, and then uh, there's a lot of interracial couples that are just falling in here. They're just, uh, just appearing out of nowhere with their beautiful babies, and they're just like, yes, my baby's all of it. Just check all of the boxes. She's all of them. She's a third Alaskan and 0.7%. Pan-Asian, it doesn't matter, whatever. We don't care. When we get here, we want to lift up the name of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that died for every nationality, for every nation. That's our cultural ethos, okay? And then, uh, lastly, uh, we talk about the government, uh, the structure of our church, uh, which is that it's pastor-led, elder-governed, Staff and volunteer ran and residentially owned. Now, it sounds like I'm doing a mini engaged class here. But again, you won't really appreciate uh, and be effective as a resident of Embassy City Church if this is not a philosophy that you want to carry out. It just won't be there for you. So I want to I read again what Paul encourages the Philippians to do. Here's what it says in verse number two. Uh, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. This was this was Paul's prayer for the church. You want to make me really happy? Please be in agreement and have one mind and one purpose about the direction of the church. That'll make me very very happy. Now it might seem a little idealistic, but here's what he's saying: If you've truly given your life to Jesus and not to a religion, then you will work out your kinks and your problems so that we will have one mind and one purpose to expand the kingdom of God and not your particular individual ideology that you love about God. So steward our philosophy. Point number two, write this down. Steward our growth. We are responsible for stewarding our growth. Now, I want to make some things clear so that you understand. Uh, We're not responsible for growing the church. We're responsible for stewarding the growth of the church. There's only one person that can grow the church, and that is the Lord Christ Jesus. Remember what he said in Matthew 16 to Peter. Once he got the revelation of who Jesus was. He says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter. My father in heaven revealed that to you. So I'm going to call you the rock. I'm going to call you Petros. I'm going to call you the rock. And upon this rock, he wasn't talking about Peter anymore. Okay. That would just offend every Catholic in the whole world. Okay. He wasn't talking about Peter anymore. He was talking about the piece of revelation that he got about who God was. Any church ever built is only built off the piece of revelation that God gave that man or that woman. He said, upon this piece of revelation that you just received, I'll build my whole church on it. Remember the words, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Against what? What I built. Not what you grew. If I build it, I get glory. If you build it, you get glory, and you'll take the glory. And it'll be more about you and your dynamic whatever more than me. So we have to steward our growth. And in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 11, starting at the 11th verse, here's what it says. Uh, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. There is, uh, uh, this will continue until we all come to such unity in faith and knowledge in God's Son that we will mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. I, I want to be there. I don't, I, I still, can I just be honest? I still have some immature tendencies. Anybody beside me? those tantrums, and you just forget, how long have I even been saved? <laughs> Why am I acting like this right now? Okay, So I, I still have some places I need to grow up. But, but if, if, if we allow the five-fold ministry gifting and expression to happen in the church, uh, there'll come a point that we won't be immature any longer. That, that should make somebody happy. So, so, so here's one of the reasons... Here's one of the main... Okay, the main reason why I will never preach 52 uh, weekends in a row is because I don't want to die. So that's pretty much one good reason that I probably shouldn't be in the pulpit every single weekend. Uh, uh, The second reason uh, that that runs really close behind I don't want to die is that the church will never mature if you only hear my voice. I can't be the all-encompassing voice of the church. I'm the main voice of the church as the pastor and the apostolic leader of this church. But the five-fold ministry gifting of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers has to be spoken and breathed into the church. The prophetic word that we heard two weeks ago from Alan Kelsey, here's why that came forth. I wasn't here. And God spoke through somebody else, and we went, oh my goodness, amen. We needed to hear that. What's happening? God's trying to perfect our church. He's trying to grow our church. He's trying to mature our church. And one of the ways that happens is I have to not be speaking to hear others speak. You know what happens when the only person that you hear all the time is the senior pastor and he never gets out of the pulpit? I'm going to preach every Sunday and I take my vacation on Monday and I'm back by Saturday so I can preach on Sunday because I love this church. No, you don't. You don't love it. You love your need to be needed. And you will stunt the church's growth if all they hear is you. So running a close second to me not wanting to die is I don't want you to die. And the way you won't die is for me not to be here every single weekend so God can speak through other voices that help to mature and build his church. So, we bring in prophetic voices, we bring in evangelistic voices, we bring in teaching voices, other pastoral voices, other apostolic voices. Why? Because I want the church to grow healthy. I don't want it to swell in an unhealthy way, I want it to grow in a very healthy way. So, this is what Paul is saying as he's writing to the Ephesian church. He says, Here's here's the way that's going to grow we won't be immature. Here's here's what happens when you're not immature. We won't be tossed and blown away by every wind of new teaching. (laughs) That's so good. We will will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Let me tell you one of the signs of a great maturing church. Uh, uh, When when something comes in that, that is not truth and the whole church just locks up. I've been in those church services where a guest speaker came in and he said some stuff and the whole church just went, <laughs> so sorry, sir. I don't know how many more minutes you have, but we're done. <laughs> I've seen the whole church lock up and I've seen that, that, that preacher try to just like push through it and the whole church, no, no, mm. we're not going to be rude and leave, but we stopped listening to you 12 minutes ago. Why? Because a very healthy, mature, strong, growing, vibrant church knows the difference between truth and hype. It knows the difference between the gospel and pop psychology. It knows the difference between a sound word that might hurt going down, but you know is good for your soul, and an itching ear sermon that only wants to appeal to your flesh and cares nothing about your eternal salvation. When you're in that type of church, man, it gets exciting because you're like, yes, this is meat. Yay. See, see, I want to pastor the type of church. Can I just go ahead and tell you? This might be so morbid to people, but I want to pastor the type of church where people come to die. I want them to skip in and be like, yay, kill me. Right here. This ego has been on a trip all week. Will you please slay that giant with this book this week? I need it. My lust is out of control. Slay it, Jesus. I'm not coming to church to get a word about how you can benefit me. I want to die so I can benefit you, God. I want to advance the kingdom, not try to see what the kingdom can do for me. I come to church to die. I do. I come to church every weekend. I'm here you can just lay me out. Now, mine usually happens Thursday if I have to preach on the weekend because it usually kills me before it kills y'all. So this is not like some theoretical thing I'm coming in with. This should work on you. I know it works because it already hurt me. <laughs> like, well, Lord, they might as well get it too <laughs> since we're a family and all. I shouldn't be the only one feeling this. That type of church grows that type of church thrives. Those type of people really start living because they really start dying. That's what we have to steward here. So, 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 so that's that verse. Okay, I'm excited. Um, then it says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, we just covered that, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You should underline that if that's not underlined in your Bible. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Would you say that with me? Healthy and growing and full of love. Again, healthy and growing and full of love. One more time, real loud. Healthy and growing and full of love. That's what the church is supposed to be. A christ in a church should be healthy, it should be growing, and it should be full of love. Now, There's two ways I want to talk about growth, okay, before we move to the third point. The, the the two important aspects about growth that I that I think are significant are uh, spiritual and numerical, and that's the order that I wanted in because I believe spiritual growth should happen before numeric growth, and I get that from the Bible. He, Jesus had twelve disciples, and he 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 spiritually made sure that they were growing. After three and a half years of his earthly ministry and him training them and them going through all of their uh, issues and kind of figuring it out, they went from 12 to 120 to 3,000. <laughs> that's spiritual growth adding, uh, uh, adding and relating to numeric growth. If you get a strong person who gets discipled and Christ-centered, you don't have to worry about numbers. I never get discouraged about numbers. I'll I'll only get discouraged if people are not growing spiritually. Because here's what I know. If people are growing spiritually, the numbers will follow. Because healthy things grow. Now, one one aspect about stewarding this season that I I really want us to realize, when that message came about God being more than enough and that he'll give you more than enough, I want you to think about this. Uh, Since we've moved into... Uh, this building as Lee sees, when we moved in in a- April as leasees into this building, uh, we went from averaging about 500 people uh, down to about 300. A lot of people couldn't make it on Saturdays and it just didn't work with their schedule. And so uh, with adults and kids, we were averaging about 300 people. Now, uh, we were able through a miracle uh, to become owners of this building on October 4th of this year. Complete miracle, right? So we own this building, and we'll be going back to Sunday morning services on January the 1st, okay? We're still meeting uh, on uh, Saturdays through the rest of this year, and on uh, the New Year's Day, we'll go back to Sundays at 10 a.m. But, but I want you to think about this. Uh, in context to the message that uh, God gave Alan to speak, and in context to where we are right now, if our average attendance with adults and kids is 300, Uh, then why would God give us a building that seats 962 people? Why would he do that? I have a friend who lives in Florida that started uh, his church, great church. He's an incredible uh, pastor and evangelist, started a church the same weekend we did. I asked him uh, through a series of text messages a couple of days ago uh, how he's doing and checking on he and his wife and the church. Uh, they're at four services and they have 2,000 people and they're meeting in a high school. I mean, it just blew up. God is doing something great there. I believe in uh, South Beach, you can't get saved any faster in any church uh, than my friend's church uh, in South Beach, uh, South Beach Miami. Uh, and so he needs a building in the worst way because he has 2,000 people. He's having four services meeting in a high school. Uh, we've been at 300 since April and the Lord gave us a building. What? We weren't bursting at the seams. Oh my God, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? We we were okay. And the Lord goes, no, here. Here's a building that seats 962 people and you're 300. Figure it out, Tim. Figure it out, Embassy City. Sometimes God waits until there's a big need, then he provides. Other times he gives you something in preparation for the big need. He provides and tells you, I'm giving you this now because I need you to understand something. Something's going to happen. There's some people maturing in your church. You're you're, you're getting some philosophies down. You're getting some understandings down. So I'm giving you the building now because you're you're about to grow. And, And I want you to have the right perspective on that. Now, here's why spiritual maturity is important. Because if you're not spiritually mature, you will subconsciously sabotage growth. I like my cozy little 300 church. I can get in and get out. Oh, it's just so cozy. I know everybody. And new people will start coming in, and you won't be like, hey, new person. You'll be like, hey, <laughs> what are you doing here? That's my seat. You want new people to run really fast? Start marking your territory. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity. That's my seat. I'm always there. Do you, uh, can we grow or? or no. I've actually heard people that pastor churches say, uh, you know, big churches are just terrible. Oh, they're so big. I'm like, how? Aren't they supposed to grow? Like, where else would would you look at your kid? Like, I can't believe you need a new shoe size. (laughs) Stop growing out of your pants. You're fine right here. Who needs to be four? Three is fine. You're cute and cuddly, I can still pick you up. Why would you need to grow anymore? Well, some people have that same attitude when it comes to church. And what I'm telling you is God didn't give us a building that seats 962 people to stay 300. So he must be preparing us for growth. The only way that we're going to be able to be ready for that type of increase, I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. What I'm saying is we have to steward this season. If we steward our philosophy, then we'll steward our growth, and if we steward our spiritual growth, we will be able to steward our numerical growth. Got it? Okay, point number three, write this down. We need to steward our building. This building that the Lord just gave us. Six acres, 40,000 square feet. We got the certificate of occupancy. Yay, Jesus. We're so happy about that. And I was looking at the numbers on it, and it said that this building, um, uh, the sanctuary can seat uh, 962 people, uh, the total building at once can handle, if I'm not mistaken, 1,336, uh, I think it's 1- 1,336, okay? Uh, th- that's how much can be in the building before the you know, fire marshal would be like, red flag. Now, uh, well, Tim, you, you must care about numbers. You're so fixated on numbers. No, I care about people. And if you don't know your numbers, you can't steward your people. It's as simple as that. Nobody nobody has a large family and maybe has six or seven kids and goes, man, after the fourth one, I just stopped even. We didn't even name them anymore. It just doesn't matter. I'm not into numbers. I don't care about the last three. I don't want anybody to think I'm into numbers. I don't even tell people I have seven kids because I don't want them to think I'm being a hot shot. There's only one one reason why we count, because we want to be accountable. There's only one one reason why I want to know how how many can fit in this building, because I want to steward what we have. I never want to put 962 people in this building. I'll have multiple services before we have to do that. But if we don't know how many can fit, then we won't know exactly how to steward. So, So here is... scripture in Genesis, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter number 35, starting at the fourth verse, that uh, uh, any pastor worth his salt, if he was going to do kind of like a a campaign or building drive or something, uh, you would probably hear something like this. Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, this is what the Lord has commanded, take a sacred offering for the Lord Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for cloth, tan ram skins, and fine goatskin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and uh, and the priest's chest piece. Come. All of you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle and its sacred tent, its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. The ark and its carrying poles, the ark's cover. the placement of ato- The place of atonement, the inner curtain to shield the ark. The table, its carrying poles and all its utensils, the bread of the presence. For light, the lampstand, its accessories, the lamp cups, and the olive oil for lighting. The incense altar and its carrying poles, the anointing oil and fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering, the bronze grating of the altar and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin and its stand, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs and the tabernacle, the tent pegs of the tabernacle and the courtyard of... And their ropes, the beautifully stitched garments for the priests to wear while ministering in the holy place, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. So the whole community of Israel left the uh, left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of his rituals, and for the sacred garments both men and women came all whose hearts were willing. Now, now I want you to think about this. If we were still nomadic, meeting on a weekend, on a Saturday, no building, we would be trying to have some type of capital campaign to raise funds for a down payment to get a building to start some initiative so that we could have something uh, going into the new year that we could call home. Uh, The Lord preempted all of that and was like, hey, instead of y'all trying to be worried about getting this building and raising a bunch of money with 300 people, how about I just give you 2.5 million and you guys can be done? How about that? How about I give it to you? You go get the building, and then you can hush all of that. Okay, so uh, then what are you doing, Lord? That's something that we would have had to have done, because I don't know if you all know this, but it's quite unusual for a 14-month-old church to be in the position that we're in. And that's what I'm saying. If God is doing all of this, we cannot just kind of act like or take for granted that, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. Lord just loves giving people buildings for no reason. (laughs) Little baby churches that can barely stand up on the two feet. Yeah, we'll just give them a building. Fine with us. Well, well, the Lord is doing something else. And so here's here's what I I feel like he's doing. Go to uh, Isaiah chapter number 54. Here's what I feel like he's saying, and then I promise I'll shut up. Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. This is what I feel like... God is saying to us in this season that we have to steward. Enlarge your house. <laughs> Build an addition. Spread out your home and spare no expense. For soon you will be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Enlarge your house. Well, here's the thing. Um, Sorry, can't enlarge it. We don't have one. Great, I'll give you one. Now shut up and enlarge it. (laughs) Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Don't get scared. I'm not going to start a capital campaign to knock out a wall. We don't even know where the walls are yet. Okay? So we don't even know what to knock out yet. Okay? Spread out your home and spare spare no expense. For soon, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Here's why I feel like the Lord is telling us to steward this season. Because soon we'll be bursting at the seams. And there's only a few people that the Lord trusts to be at the foundation level of growth. There's a lot of people uh, that love Embassy City Church and, and, and have told us, uh, we'll let you guys figure it out, then we'll come back. At least they're honest. I love it. It's refreshing to me. I, I don't get offended by that at all. We've had people say, hey, as soon as you get a building, we'll be there. That's just, that, that's just the level that I don't get offended by that. That's just where they are. It, it doesn't hurt my feelings at all. But, but here's what it does tell me. It tells me who God can trust with this season. And it's you. He's trusted you and I with this season. Because there's a lot of people that can't handle the nomadic settling, sorting out, figuring out what we do. Oh, they don't seem to have this right. They don't seem to have that right. I don't know what they're doing over here. So I'll just come back. Well, here's what I'm excited about. God gave at least 300 of us patience to go, yeah, they don't have it all figured out. I'll be here when they do. Yay, (laughs) y'all. That makes us happy. Makes me happy because now when those people come in, stuff will be sorted out and they're gonna get the same thing that we've been getting for the last 14 months and they'll become spiritually mature and they'll grow, and then guess what? We can do it all over again. I have a very simple strategy to church growth. Teach the Bible, let the Holy Spirit get people saved, let the Holy Spirit convict people of their sins, and let Jesus build his church. So all I try to do every year is take the people that are in front of me, and excuse me if this expression makes you on edge, I I try to teach the hell out of them. I'm going to let that settle in. I didn't. He cussed. He cussed. We're out of here. No. That stuff that's not like the Lord is in alignment with hell, not heaven. And I'm trying to teach it out. And if we teach hell out, we can get heaven in. The church grows. I believe at least one person can reach another person for Jesus. You know what would happen if one person just reached one person for Jesus here? we double next year. It's real simple. If we do that like for 20 years, it will be fantastic. So I've never, I didn't, you know, when I was on the phone with my friend, I wasn't like, oh my goodness, you're at 2,000 people. We're only at 300. You need a building? We don't. Yay, Jesus. You you were preemptive with us where there's a need that you're gonna fulfill for him. You gave it to us in the beginning so we wouldn't be talking about it. But why? Because you want us to be good stewards of this season. So here's what I'm saying. If you're a part of this community, or if you've been prayerfully considering being part of this community, If this is what he's saying to us about this season with our church, then he's probably also speaking to you about a season in your life. And you won't be able to steward the role you have at this church more than you steward the role you have in your life. So whatever that season is for you, steward it. I'm not asking you to have all the answers to this season. I'm saying, as best as you can, with all the help that you can get from us, from our counselors, from small groups, steward this season. Steward our philosophy, that allow us to steward our growth, and we're gonna steward this building. This building will be the building of a thousand celebrations. Every time something changes in here, it'll be like revival breaking out. Okay, I think the first of which is the the new signs, our signs will go up on the church, I think in December, in three weeks, okay? So you'll drive up and it won't say Heartland, it'll say Embassy City Church, and I promise you I'll be the first one crying. Because it's just unbelievable to me. I just, I still have to pinch myself. Uh, When the carpet changes, I will personally have a revival. There will be a, if I run around the church, y'all give me that okay, because I won't have nothing to trip on, so it would be fantastic. Um, uh, when we, when we start painting, yay, I'll have another revival. When we get ready to do the stages, we'll have another revival. When the sound gets fixed in here, we'll have another revival. Uh, when we get ready to expand uh, to the upstairs and turn it from a maze into like something you could actually get through coherently, we'll have another. Listen. There's going to be a, this will be the building of a thousand revivals. I'm telling you that right now. But we have to steward it. He gave it to us. He said, hey, you don't have to buy it. Just just spruce it up. I'll take, care, I'll take care of it. You couldn't get it. I got it for you. Now, steward what I've given you. And you will only do that if stewardship's at the forefront of our mind. So let's steward this season, okay? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?